Welcome on board. My name is Tafara Avin Matura, the one and only. With you up until your 10 o'clock. So do stand by shortly. Uh, we jump into our uh, Wednesday edition of the Morning Grill. Never met. And in the pocket of my jeans, there are only coins and broken dreams. My heart is breaking at the seams, and I'm coming apart now. Nothing but looking up, I'll find my shoes right next to the old tree. And I'll get up. Analysis, news, sports, and entertainment. Look no further than Classic 263, your number one talk radio station in Zimbabwe and beyond. Classic 263, your supreme entertainer. The best. We got the music, news, concept you love to hear. Yes. Now we are talking. Classic 263's radio flagship program that broadcasts weekday between 0715 hours and 0800 hours. In terms of uh, policy and the consistency in the economic sphere that uh, Zimbabwe finds itself in, is this the best move? Yeah, it's part of the plan. The Grill interrogates issues, questions decisions, and influences policy. 45 minutes of interactive and captivating conversations. Today's Morning Grill was brought to you by Childline to capture the audience that matters. Sponsor and advertise on the grill. For more information, contact the station manager, Mr. Terence Mapurisana, on 0242-498-713 or 0712-861-622 to book your sport now. After the hour, seven o'clock on the Well Zimbabwe Hearty and warm welcome to the Wednesday edition of the Morning Grill, a program which comes to you every weekday as we discuss, interrogate, uh, debate those important and pertinent subjects just to keep you, the nation, well informed and updated every step of the way. 
and this very edition, we continue to look at those very important and pertinent uh, subjects. Uh, and uh, in this very edition, we put the spotlight on how the Maharari Metropolitan Province is dealing with uh, the corruption in our councils, uh, the audits taking place in our councils, land barons, and uh, also how they are dealing uh, with the high uh, crime rate in our in our uh, in the in, in the Harare Metropolitan Province. And to discuss uh, this uh, in greater detail, I'm joined by Mr. Tavaz Mguti, uh, who's the Harare Provincial Development Coordinator. Mr. Mguti, uh, such a pleasure and welcome uh, right here on the Morning Group Classic 263. Good morning, Tavaz. Good morning, uh, listeners. Mm-hmm. Such an important issue uh, we wonder to discuss uh, this uh, morning, um, Mr. Mugutu. But now, as the Provincial Development Coordinator, maybe just to kickstart this very discussion, the situation on the ground and maybe some of the initiatives uh, the province is taking. Well, thank you very much uh, for this opportunity once again to be on your show, The Grill. Um, let me first of all start by saying that uh, This is my fifth month in office, uh, having joined on the 1st of September. And uh, so far, it's been quite enlightening that uh, what we see from the outside is not exactly what's in the inside. Um, The rare problems, such as to say, uh, go far and beyond, um, I think, our our, our wildest imaginations. These are legacy issues that are going back maybe uh, 15 years and perhaps more. Um, in regards to a culture that had actually sipped in into the way of doing things. What started off basically as malpractice in terms of mismanagement of local authorities became the modus operandi of the day, uh, which later on also incorporated even the citizens, the residents of our metropolitan province and is spilled out across the entire country. I'm talking in relation to cutting corners when we do what we do. I think the moral fiber of our society today has actually eroded a lot that some of the things that we are seeing on the ground are, are, are inexplicable. You you cannot even imagine. Um, we've got people who were settled um, legally uh, in wetlands, where people were settled legally in riverbeds. You saw with recently the the the, the Budiro floods where we toured yesterday with the acting mayor, and people are literally in the river, and uh, some are actually under uh, the light, you know, the the the, the tall grids of um, cables which go all the way to Kariba. So we've got a situation where there was a lot of um, corruption taking place and some of the issues we're trying to deal with today um, are, are legacy issues. But, but let me also say it becomes very tough because some of the people who were responsible uh, both in local authority and government are still within some of their positions. Let me, let me say that carefully. And uh, some of them know exactly what happened and sometimes you, you're based on a wild goose chase. And eventually, we, we are starting to see now that we are bringing discipline back, and that has actually helped to try and change the culture within local authorities. Mm-hmm. Five months uh, five months down the line and uh, that you are in office. I, I believe we, we once had a similar discussion uh, just when you got into office regarding some of these uh, pertinent issues. Let's take uh, them one, one by one. Let's look at this uh, kind of uh, corruption in our councils when it comes to, 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 to governance, which was one of the priorities you would well, you wanted to look into uh, right when you got into office and you wanted to roll out some initiatives uh, to try and uproot this corruption. Maybe... Uh, what has been done so far? Well, thank you uh, for that. I think one of the, the, the challenges we had is change management is always difficult, especially where there's uh, in rooted cultures of doing things in a certain way. 
uh, when we came in, um, when, I, when provincial development coordinators were appointed, there was so much resistance uh, from internally and externally. Uh, we had a lot of resistance, people who were questioning our appointments or people who just didn't believe that it was worthy for us to, to be asking the right questions. I'm happy to say that out of the four local authorities in, uh, in Arima to Cotton province, uh, finally, I think towards the end of December, we managed to now get some sense of stability uh, in Dintage Tungu's hierarchy. We had a lot of resistance from particularly uh, some councillors and some maybe officials who felt that maybe we were, were, were touching or stepping on people's toes, but essentially what we wanted was to bring in governance. So far, I'm very impressed with Rua. Uh, Rua is, is one of the most, um, they're, they're really complying right now with a lot of, um, uh, especially the Urban Councils Act. They still have some gray areas which they need to perfect it. For example, just enforcement. If you go along um, uh, um, Tari Road, just uh, at the, the traffic lights there going into Rua, you'll find that there's been a bit of disorder and uh, we're trying to negotiate with NRSX so that the servitudes can, can be managed better. But apart from that, um, Epworth, um, we, we've seen some recalls happening within the Epworth Council, but um, we, we've got a firm hand in terms of working together uh, with management and uh, the town secretary there and his team um, have stopped the irregular regularization which was going on um, and we've said let's plan things properly in roads properly and plan so I think we, we, we've kind of got everyone back to the planning stage. Uh, the biggest hurdle that we, we are faced with currently is the city of Harare. Uh, the city of Harare being the largest metropolitan, um, there's, there's a lot of governance issues that have been affecting us. Uh, of note, one of the greatest challenges is that um, whenever people have been arrested for corruption, uh, these people have found their way back into the offices. And sometimes it creates problems for us because they then target uh, sometimes whistleblowers. Uh, in recent events, we've seen people who had, were, who had been suspended or people who were not allowed to be going back to work, um, back at work. Um, for all new information, uh, in Shitungi's, uh, the Shitungi's Residence Trust has actually sued me personally and the Minister of, uh, of Local Governance for having stopped those who are on bail to come back to work. And um, yeah, we were taken to High Court last year in December, and I think our legal team is handling that. But it just shows you that we're not all on the same page. What we see and what we're trying to implement are some residents' interference. But essentially, I'm happy that we, we finally uh, kind of uh, got to know exactly what is going on. And that is in particular to service delivery, what are their challenges, and we're hoping uh, the funds coming through devolution can assist all local authorities in terms of land bank, uh, which land was stolen and by whom. And um, we have made several arrests. I think we've made close to 150 arrests so far. Um, but we, we are also waiting for some of the major uh, developments which we are now investigating to try and find out exactly how is some of these people acquiring such masses pieces of land. Uh, we also uh, know that there are 34 um, court orders right now uh, in Arari for demolitions, um, and I think you saw the cabinet. Um, uh, you saw the cabinet resolution that government does not interfere with the judiciary, and so we, we leave that to the local authorities where they feel they can regularize and where they feel that they need the land back for schools and other social enmities. That is entirely a local authority decision. In Shitungwiza, about 11,000 homes 
um, have been deemed irregular, and that's once again is to the to the to the disparity of the of the local authority to say where can they regularize or not. The challenge is when we speak about regularization, some of the illegal settlements were perpetuated by council officials and um, and some some uh, corrupt councillors and uh, across the province. So some. Sometimes when we talk about regularization, it's almost like giving room for someone to go and correct or cover their mistakes. So it's, it's a great challenge. Uh, but apart from it, it's also not been easy. Um, when you go into these murky waters, you're also targeted personally. Uh, people's lives sometimes at risk, their reputations, uh, allegations, they'll throw anything they can at you, but we're not going to be deterred. We need to get to the bottom of it and we need to sort our reports out. Mm-hmm. All right, Mr. Mugutu, you, 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 you cite uh, three very critical issues which I would want us to zero in as we progress with our discussion. We want to uh, look at the issue of self-delivery as well as the demolitions. But first, uh, you, you outlined the resistance you have faced as you progress uh, with your work. You have also outlined how some of the corrupt officials have found their way back uh, into, the, into the offices after being found uh, corrupt. Just... In terms of governance, uh, are we actually not going in cycles as we try to progress in our councils? I think we need a holistic approach, uh, in my view. My, my job is very clear as the provincial development coordinator is to, try, is to be able to coordinate all government um, cooperation, uh, operations within the province. I work with all line ministry heads uh, across the entire arms of government. And the challenge that we have sometimes is when the left hand does not talk to the right hand. Um, but at the same time, it's also, as I said, the decay of moral fiber. Uh, there's just ethics that we need to, to, to just abound by as, as humanity, as, as people. Uh, certainly, if someone is being um, uh, tried before the courts uh, for allegations of corruption and that person is being alleged to have parceled out land, uh, why do you bring them back into the same office that they were actually alleged to be uh, have committed the crime, and we have appealed to even those who are before the courts uh, to say, please do not go back to work. Allow investment to occur. At the same time, can you allow some point of continuity? But then what we've seen is turf wars uh, in Arare. Uh, I think in the last three weeks we didn't know who was the mayor, we didn't know who was the town clerk, because the acting town clerk would be coming back to work. Um, despite our advice on the 3rd of December and also a memo written by the, the minister, and I had also written a letter on the 3rd of December to all local authorities saying that if there are investigations underway, let's try and give room for investigation so that we can instill governance. But also let's separate criminal and, and labor issues. If someone is, is facing a, a pure labor issue, let there be a hearing. If someone is facing a criminal issue, let, they, let them go to court. Because sometimes we're bundling all this up together and we had to, when we came in to say, let's separate a labor issue, a labor issue, a criminal issue, a criminal issue. And uh, there have been concerns that, oh, this is politically motivated. I'd like to let the listeners know that the, the, the majority of the risks that have been made are from whistleblowers um, that we're encouraging across all local authorities. So government is not actually going through on a witch hunt, but we've encouraged a spirit of transparency and sometimes employees and even councillors are coming with evidence, uh, which is very remarkable, uh, of corrupt activities happening within local authorities. And that has actually allowed us to speed up. So we are not going in circles. I think what we need to do is to be working collectively, all arms of government, ensuring that when someone is before the courts, 
even the bail conditions uh, should restrict that person from interfering. But at the same time, we also need cooperation from those who are in office, uh, even in government itself, to say if uh, we, are, we are trying to root out corruption, let there not be impediment within the government structures. Let's, let it be a united front that we are all working with. And sometimes I think that's where the challenge is. And I guess that's why provincial development coordinators were put in place to try and create uh, harmony and synchronization within government operations. Mm-hmm. Uh, also now looking at uh, service delivery uh, at Afazwa. Let's take a, a quick look at this a scenario that we have seen a number of, 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 of the public and a number of, of, of our population being swindled, being cheated by cooperatives, by these land barons. It has not also come down uh, to the issue of confidence uh, in our councils. Our councils are living up uh, to, uh, to the expectation uh, in terms of service delivery. Let me start off first with the issue of service delivery, then I'll touch the land barons issues. As service delivery, one of the things that I've been saying to, 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 to councillors and I've been also saying, I did an official tour of all local authorities uh, last year, and I'll, I'll be doing an official tour every three months or every two months uh, to basically see how they're performing on the ground and meeting the residents as well. One of the things that we, we saw across is that it's just an element of attitude towards service delivery, a commitment to our duties as civil servants and as local authority employees. Uh, certainly, there are certain things which are unexplainable unexpl- and there are certain things which are inhuman. Uh, for instance, um, we have now said there has to be a, this year, uh, I would like to see a service level agreement signed between the residents associations and the local authorities, clearly defining severity levels and response times. Because I was asking that if a sewer pipe bursts in Chitungwiza or Kwadzana, why does it take a week to go repair a sewer pipe that is just blocked? That is, that is pure incompetence. It's nothing to say that there's, there's equipment needed for forex. It's nothing to say that we need to bring in certain experts. It's just someone who's sitting on the job who, who would, if the sewer pipe blew up in his own yard, would be running around to try and take care of the affluence. But because it's in someone else's territory, there's a uh, an attitude of sometimes not caring. So we've said the first thing we have to do as local authorities, and I've been imploring them to do that, is that as central government, uh, we expect them to have a caring culture in terms of executing of their duties and a commitment in terms of performance appraisal. So we want to know if you're not collecting refuse, what is the reason? And government is there to assist. That's why devolution funds are there, and that's why I keep referring to Rua, who has acquired some some of the best technology uh, in terms of equipment, in terms of automated um, sewer pipe blockage um, um, removal equipment. They've, they've gone all out and they've bought JLBs. They're doing great with their devolution funds and I expect to see the same throughout lo- all local authorities. So it's just an attitude. But also we've, we've, we've come out and bailed out like um, all the local authorities when they need funding. Uh, when there's water shortages or equipment is broken down, We've come in to repay, uh, uh, Treasury is gone in to also pay their legacy debts, but it's also a collective approach. We cannot improve service delivery without working together. I'm quite happy right now with the interim team within the city of Harare. Uh, they seem to be uh, headstrong in terms of going forward. Uh, the acting mayor, uh, Councillor Tizwa and uh, Engineer Chawatama, we've seen a lot of progress in terms of some of the, the, the high areas where we have challenges. But at the same time, I've also been imploring the residents to say you need to have one voice. Otherwise, it's going 
it will be difficult to adjudicate the performance of councils. So you can't have 300 residents associations all purporting to represent everybody. There has to be a symbiotic approach in what we're going to do as, as residents and as government, as local authorities. Let me quickly touch on the issue of land barriers. At far you know from, from the word go, my position is very clear and um, I've, I've been uh, basically sometimes railroaded into trying to change my decision. But the facts on the ground say otherwise. We have a challenge where, as I said, the left hand did not know and still does not know what the right hand is doing when it comes to housing cooperatives. Housing cooperatives are registered as a list. So if you have 100 members, you have 100 members. And when they applied for land, most of them, some of them, would be given 100 stands for their 100 members. So the question is, how does a, a cooperative that applied for 100 stands all of a sudden owns 1,000 stands? It shows that someone allocated themselves land. And this disorder is also the situation where people will never and should never pay intrinsic value to a housing cooperative. Within our laws, that does not exist. A cooperative is an embodiment or it's a, it's a cooperative or it's a, it's a membership of like-minded people who want to produce a product or we have an initiative to empower each other. So literally housing cooperatives were supposed to be getting the land and gathering up their contributions, paying contractors to put roads, put drainage and all that. And it works at a small scale. But once you have 1,000 homes, that does not not work and that's the reality that's why everywhere you go where there's a housing cooperative there's no roads uh, there's no drainage there's no electricity there's no water there's no sewer and so we have said that let everything be done by local authorities so that at the end of the day when government takes over people are paying those 50 US dollars a month not to an individual or to a group of people who are just pocketing the money but that money is going towards service delivery so we can't then blame the local authorities on one hand to say, oh, the beans are not being collected, but your entire neighborhood, none of you are registered with the local authority. So what we have is those of you who are formal in the Mount Pleasant, uh, uh, Highfields, on Farkosi, those paid are actually paying for service delivery for people who are informally settled. So those people who are informally settled out of humanitarian issues are now benefiting Yes, they don't pay a single dime to local authorities. So, so we have to fix that disparity and ensure that what the left hand does, the right hand does, uh, does know, and that we have this cooperation. Uh, we have a challenge that we continue to not in then enforce. Uh, the, the Cooperatives Act is very clear to say if cooperatives don't change leadership, they are deregistered. If they don't report on their financials, action is taken. If they're committing any crimes or they're not in compliance with any government statute, actions need to be taken. So we have 3,000 housing cooperatives which are all acting as local authorities. So the issue of housing cooperatives needs to be dealt with to its finality. Let's have cooperatives for, for, for gardening, for manufacturing, but not for housing because it has failed. And that's my position.
3,000 housing cooperatives, which is a huge number, uh, Mr. Mugudi. Just taking a cue from what you said, uh, at one time also had an opportunity to, to, to talk to uh, to the Minister of State for Arora Metropolitan Province, and he outlined that uh, these housing cooperatives actually have been halted to ensure that uh, we fix the anomalies are actually present when it comes to allocation of land in Arari. Maybe the situation on the ground right now when it comes to this housing cooperatives, are they in operation uh, or are they existing? Uh, is actually uh, a thing uh, which needs to be dealt with. Um, I think the challenge that we have on the ground right now is that there's now a lot of confusion. We have made it clear as a Rai Metropolitan Province, the Minister of State uh, for Provincial Affairs and, um, and Devolution, um, Honorable Senator Oliver Chitao, has made it very clear that housing cooperators are not local authorities and they do not have the power to, to issue out land to anybody. That power vests with the local authorities and the Ministry of Local Government. Also, Minister, Honorable Minister July Moyo, the Minister of Local Government and Public Works in Zimbabwe, has also categorically spelled it out. Also, the Minister of National Housing and Social Enmities, Honorable Agamu, has also stated, and as the Provincial Development Coordinator have also stated, the Permanent Secretary but the Minister of Local Government has also stated, and we have gone on radio, as you know, we've been in the papers, we've been on TV, but, but people are gullible. People are simply gullible. And, and the, the extent of cruelty, evilness, greediness that we are seeing in, in this, some of these housing cooperatives where they take people's money in broad daylight uh, is, is astonishing. Now, what makes me sick to the stomach is that those people who are prepared housing cooperative leaders do not even stay in the shacks that they've settled people. They're all staying in Melbourne, Marlborough, Borodil, Agamil. They're actually taking people's money and going to stay in the nicer parts of the, uh, of the country when they're leaving people in swamps. And that's unacceptable. We also have politicians who are also going in and exploiting these people, wearing respective party regalia, telling them that, oh, don't worry, the president has endorsed it, or don't worry, the party knows about it. That is utter nonsense. There's nobody who's above the law. There's nobody who's immune to the law. And as we speak, there's no party that issues out any land. So people are being gullible to say, oh, this is a party program. Oh, this is a so-and-so honorable, so-and-so's program. It doesn't work that way. Let's have law and order. Housing cooperatives should not be passing out land. And I've written to the ministry that is responsible and to the register of cooperatives to say we need to put law in order. And I, and I believe that if we work together and people listen to what we're saying, there'll be no problems. Now, here's the mess. If housing cooperatives give out land which does not belong to them, the owners of the land are going to take the housing cooperatives to court. When the housing cooperatives lose, the person who's evicted is not the housing cooperative. It's the person who has sold the land, the inhabitants. When you recover your stolen uh, bicycle, Tafara, whether it's in Mavuku or Tafara or it's sitting in Shumiza, it still remains your bicycle. That's the law. So people will recover the land as is. And whether you've built on the land, whether you are now settling on the land, whether you're doing agriculture on the land, it will go back to its owner. That is the case like Muduriro and all the other places. And then sometimes people are ignorant to say, oh, you know, we didn't know about this issue. No one buys land uh, with no paperwork, with nothing from government, 
and you go on to build a house. That's pure ignorance, and, and that's what many people are now facing, that they are being taken to court, and then all of a sudden they are victims. Yes, they are victims of fraud, but the law is the law. The land needs to go back to its rightful owners, be it private, local authority, or state land. Mm-hmm. 23 minutes before the hour 8 o'clock and this is the morning grill as I am joined by Mr. Tafazgo Muguti um, who is the Rara Provincial Development Coordinator as we put a spotlight uh, on the Rara Metropolitan, Metropolitan Province in terms of dealing uh, with the corruption in our councils, uh, the issue of the land and land barons as well as uh, an issue we'll, uh, look into later on how they, we are working out the issue of the high uh, crime rate in uh, the province. Uh, do remember that this is a very much interactive program. You can be part and parcel of this uh, program uh, with your contributions and questions at zero seven one nine four nine eight six five one, the WhatsApp platform, and uh, to call in zero two four two four nine eight six five one zero two four two four nine eight six three one are the numbers uh, to dial. Before we uh, take a quick uh, commercial break, Mr. Muguti, and uh, before we also uh, include those contributions and questions are coming uh, from uh, our listeners, let's just take a quick look uh, into uh, the issue of demolition. What is the word uh, on the issue of demolitions? And you have also outlined that tour to Budiriro, and uh, it is one area whereby a number of areas have been demolished before, and people have come back again and uh, put structures on the same places. What is the word? So the Regional Town and Country Planning Act, which is the supreme law in terms of planning in the country, any town planning, is very clear that um, should one be constructing on a piece of land that does not belong to them. I think it's section 34, if I'm not mistaken. Um, that person is actually in violation of the development control section of that policy. And I think the Urban Councils Act also addresses development control. So the first part is that um, you are supposed to be uh, given an eviction order, uh, but depending on the status. So if you're building and you're starting to erect your shack, the council itself under development control has got the powers to come and give you a notice to say, please remove yourself or your things or whatever illegal operation you're doing there. Uh, once someone is settling there and it is great magnitude like Budiriro, the council would have them to go to court to say there are people who are now staying at this premises, it's not legal or etc. Now, let's look at it from two ways. Demolitions come on illegal settlements, that's number one, and they also come on illegal developments. Let me separate the two. Illegal settlements, it means in its entirety, you went in and stayed in a piece of land which was not designated to you. At the same time, you went and built something which was not authorized. That's an illegal settlement altogether. Illegal development is that you can be given an offer letter, but whatever you're going to build needs to be approved. So we have people who sometimes have built houses from the foundation right to roof, and inhabited these houses without a single plan having been passed through the local authorities. So, so that's an illegal development. Such houses, we all know when we were growing up, if the inspector came and you had done something without an inspection, they would say, knock down this left wall, knock down this right wall. I think you remember that. And that's development control. Those plans are now within the building terms of what you're supposed to do, the building orders to say this is what you're supposed to do and what not to do. So that's the, the fact on the ground. However, what we're seeing right now is housing cooperatives. People were now just forming a cooperative. Some of them don't even have registrations. And they'll see a vacant piece of land and just say, this is now ours. We're now pegging this land. And they'll go across and give people land. 
Some of them would go and get um, corrupt government officials to draw a plan for them, proper planners or corrupt local authority officials, and they would draw these plans and stamp some of these, um, but doesn't mean that those plans were in the system. And they would use now um, that plan to sell land. And obviously, the moment they've been building, I can tell you that all of the land cases within the Arai metropolitan provinces have gone to the courts. Some of them have taken longer. That is outside anyone's control. And some of these people had been given orders already to vacate. Now, they are also very clever, these housing cooperatives and some of these land barons, uh, the errant ones. I'm not saying all housing cooperatives are criminals. There are some housing cooperatives which did things legitimately, and they did such an amazing job of it. They collected people's money, they put the roads, they did everything. But there are some who then um, co control what is called splitter groups. So when the time came for leaderships to change, which is the 90% of the cases we have right now uh, in the country, is that people would refuse to be removed as the chairman of the housing cooperative because obviously there are monetary gains to this. And uh, once they remove, the, the followers or he himself goes and forms another housing cooperative within the same jurisdiction. Remember, the offer letter is only one. And they would go on further to now parcel out land. And, and there will be a competition to now parcel out land or like what's happening in areas like Zivarasekwa, happening in areas like Udiriru and so forth. Some of them would be taken to court, they lose. They go quickly register another housing cooperative and come and say, oh, we're not the ones you took to court. We're a different uh, bunch altogether. Like in the case of uh, some of these demolished areas, where I've still asked the people coming to my office to say, but do you have legal title to the land? Were you given an offer letter? Where did you purchase? What is the value of the land? People would only have a receipt from the housing cooperative. So this is the situation. So demolitions as it is, are ordered by the sheriff, not the local authority, not the provincial development coordinator, not the president, nobody. The sheriff, once a judgment has been made, has the sole responsibility to go in and put that. Now, let me explain where council comes in. The sheriff can go to you, to me, to anybody and say, I need, um, uh, uh, I, I need a grader or I need a, a front loader, I need anything to go and demolish um, the yellow machinery, to go and demolish where I'm demolishing. And he actually hires that equipment. But where the local authority has got equipment, they can also say, wait a minute, um, here we've got equipment. Because remember, ultimately they pay for that, for that process of demolition. So there's so much confusion, but the sheriff is the supreme implementer. And demolitions are going to go ahead after the rainy season. And we've, we've told and we've made press conferences to say those who were taken to court, they should have appealed in courts. They should not appeal to the public, they should appeal to the courts where they've been taken and justify why they should not be removed from those places. And that's something that I'm not going to dwell into because it's part of the law. Mm -hmm. 16 minutes before the hour, 8 o'clock, this is the Morning Grill. Let's just take a quick short commercial break. Thereafter, uh, we uh, take a look at our WhatsApp platform, those questions and contributions coming through. Uh, that is 0719498651, as well as the calls, 0242498631, Right after this commercial break, uh, we would uh, take up those questions and contributions. Do stand by. Usotiniwe <laughs> 
Wapolisi wuna peliyo. Wapolisi wuna zekupele nini? Wuna kata zegi. Mwapa usmavula iya town to the FPC bank. Nyamizuzu emibilije efonini yako. Fumana i FPC mwapamula app. Kumbe uchaya utuivo musta 220 hash. Ufule iya county enja. Obunya onga wenza. Yukutimena unoku umlaezo oti hai. Nye whatsapp gu 0776-670-211. Au ula sizato. FPC bank. FBC Bank, because you matter most. FBC is a registered commercial bank and a member of the Deposit Protection Scheme. Don't wait. Start growing today. Your community needs farmers. Families need food. Farmers, food security is vital for our country. Grow chickens to increase food security and add to your profits. Families, you can benefit from growing chickens. You can feed your families and also sell to your community to earn extra income. Urban's is open during the COVID-19 lockdown as an essential service to the community. Shop safely at your nearest urban store or distributor for your complete day-old chicks and feed solutions. We guarantee to support you during the COVID-19 crisis and beyond. We are all in this together. Urban's. Trust earned. Get five of your friends to sign up for Teltrack and you all get free installation in the Tel One Big Deals promotion. Plus, if you register for Teltrack as an individual, you automatically qualify for a chance to win exciting prizes in the monthly draws and grand draw. Promotion runs till 6 March 2021. Visit in-store or Tel One website for more details. Terms and conditions apply. Tel One, bringing you together. Right, 14 minutes before the hour, 8 o'clock, and yes, welcome back to the morning, uh, Grio. And as I did say uh, earlier on, that uh, right uh, this segment, we take your questions and uh, contributions. Mr. Mguti, let me just take uh, this uh, call coming through right here. Uh, good morning, Elevone. Good morning, Elevone. Yes, sir, your contribution or question. Of 
you notice. The minister may specify the extent of the premises or area declared to be protected, places or protected area, as the case may be, to prevent entry of unauthorized persons. Or I am not going to say, I am short, you have to the rest. I can agree with your panel. People must be arrested. Did you see any building there? I think we don't want to accuse people of smuggling. Law is there. All right. Uh, Mr. Tavazo, I'm good at that contribution uh, coming through right there. Let me just uh, take uh, one, uh, just take note of that, and let me take uh, one or two contributions also coming through uh, WhatsApp platform, and maybe you could respond uh, to them as well. Morning, Tafara stands are inaccessible and expensive for an, uh, an ordinary citizen. That is why people opt for land barons. What is the state and council doing to ensure accessibility and affordability of stands as we continue to see their prices rise as per the council budget? A message coming uh, from our fortunate there uh, on uh, WhatsApp platform. This is directed to Mr. Mkuta. How does local authorities see the development taking place and leave it like that for a long time? Then suddenly, after five years, they say the settlement is illegal. I think Zuneka Utinyamkati, they seem to enjoy uh, demolishing uh, people's uh, houses as well. This one says uh, we, cha- uh, we, we challenge of land barons here. We have a challenge of land barons here in Mayambira village under secure rule. People are given land in wetlands and river banks. Where can we report uh, that that is coming up from uh, Michael uh, Makosa. Let me just take those for now. Mr. Mkuti. Well, thank you very much. I think uh, the first one, sorry, the line was quite bad. And mm. since we're on a Zoom call, I think he's speaking about inaccessibility to land and that people end up, uh, they've got a right to land, if I heard him correctly, and that uh, people end up trusting the land barons. In mm-hmm. short, I think that's what he was trying to say. Mm-hmm. The first one. Am I correct about True, true, sure. So, so quite clearly, as it is right now, I've said it before, that what we have are legacy issues and legacy problems, and we should not perpetuate those problems any further. Uh, currently, we have a problem whereby I think people are thinking the solution is a, is a piece of land. What we actually need to address is the housing requirements. Let me give you a point, uh, uh, an example of Johannesburg. Tafari, uh, you know, Johannesburg is densely populated. There's no piece of land available that you can say, I got this piece of land. But what they've done is they've changed their approach to addressing housing, uh, putting cluster homes, putting apartments, and so forth. Here we have a challenge where someone will get 1,000 um, square meters of land and build a house which is 100 uh, square meters, and the rest of the land is sitting idle. So we also need to change, and that's why I think we're looking at now putting in place a new policy in terms of national housing. Uh, I do agree with him that land is inaccessible, and we need to change that approach. My personal view and the view of perhaps my my superiors is that what we need to be addressing right now is the housing shortages, the housing demand. And once we start having a lot of property development within there, it also opens up the financial services sector where people can get mortgages and so forth. But as it is right now, we have a lot of... um, uh, uh, individual developments which are happening and if you look at the bulk of the people who get these stands they build temporary structures um, which are like that for the next 10 years or so 
and that a temporary structure is supposed to be during the point of your construction. So, so clearly people are in need of housing and that's what we need to address. We need to address the need of housing. And um, I believe also that even the housing itself should be working according to what we did last time, what we used to do in the past in terms of waiting lists. I went to Mugiriro yesterday and I saw a magnificent development called the Cabs area. Amazing development where you can see uh, a lot of houses are being built in an orderly manner. We saved that piece of land and managed to settle a lot of people. Now, if we could have the opportunity to put apartments, the better. So what I'm looking at is a situation where in Arare, Metropolitan Province and all the other provinces, we need to have uh, to implement the new housing policy, which I believe is going to be launched anytime soon, uh, which addresses how we're going to be building and availing housing accommodation to everyone. The second part is that local authorities see development taking place and they don't do anything. I think that's wrong to say they don't do anything. As I said, once your piece of land, let me give you a good example. In your backyard, imagine you wake up one morning and someone has built a cottage in your own yard. Uh, and someone in the backyard has built a cottage. And immediately they came section 74 of the constitution to say I have a legal right to, to housing. One might have a legal right under the constitution, but not in someone else's property. Immediately, those people, I can tell you that I think 100% of the people who are sitting on illegal land are aware that they've been since been given eviction orders from the time they were building. And uh, one challenge that I do have also with local authorities, I tend at a part to agree with the listener, is that we also need at this early stage when someone is putting a foundation, let's remove them there. Immediately to say, no, 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 within the powers that they have, what you're doing is wrong. Uh, to wait for someone to then take them to court, it take, sometimes takes years. You look at the judgments that are out right now, uh, the 34 judgments that our Rally City Council is sitting on. Those are 2017, 2016, 2017, and uh, the orders were passed out only in 2019. Uh, people were given nine months, which was by October 31, 2019. By February, the country went into lockdown, and they were given a third, the nine months, uh, which you saw now in Budiro demolitions being done in November 7. Uh, the people were then given the final orders. So it takes years to then remove someone. But because people know that, I can tell you we have people who occupy land today, they built by day and night. So in the night they're building, being told by land barons, don't worry, once you have a house, it will take years. Eventually they'll just regularize you. So that has been a challenge in its own. The third issue when it comes to Seke, um, if it's uh, Seke 1, 2 and so forth, those fall under Shichungwiza. But once it's the rural communal area of Seke, where we, we have noted a lot of land barons running away from Arari are now going into those areas and are fighting endless battles with the chiefs and headmen there, that falls now under Marsh East. And uh, that would fall with uh, uh, my colleague there, uh, uh, the PDC there, you can contact him, um, Mr. Kutama Ufa. But apart from it, we are looking at a situation where, as I said, all arms of government need to move together in harmony and synchronize. Because as it is right now, any delay will cost people money and etc. But the bottom line is people should also not be acquiring land in an illegal manner. You know, this is the problem which then happens. Another day you might get all your paperwork. But sometimes that paperwork is proven out to be fraudulent, and that ends up creating problems for yourself.
Mm-hmm. Four minutes before the hour, eight o'clock. Let me just take uh, the last contributions coming through my WhatsApp platform, Subguti, and maybe could uh, quickly respond to them as we uh, are running out of, uh, of, of, of of time right here on the program. Uh, let me uh, get one or two. This one says, uh, uh, "Morning, I would want to thank Mr. Uh, Tafazwa uh, for the clear story they are taking to clean up our cities. Keep it up. However, there must there be a clear action plan by councils to be proactive so that people do not build in illegal areas. It is not palatable to destroy people's houses." and yet councils have departments that deal with these illegal structures. Councils must be held responsible for allowing these illegal structures to be erected. If councils allow these structures to be erected, they must compensate those affected. That is coming from King Como. This one is rather wrong, long coming from Teddy Mungwari. I won't be able to read, it. I read all of it, but he's saying I'm lodged on and listening attentively. He's very articulate and confident as well as assertive. I believe the level of corruption where politicians lie to gullible citizens must be dealt with once and for all in the year 2021. Uh, Why is it taking so long, uh, so long to drastically arrest all land barons and politicians uh, that is coming from uh, Teddy uh, Mungwari? Maybe if you could respond uh, to those uh, those contributions as uh, well, you outline your parting shots. Thank you very much, Fire. And uh, I'll quickly sum up. We are out of time, as you noted. Mm-hmm. Just a parting shot. We have what every local authority in the country, whether rural or urban, has got what is called a development control department. And I'd like to urge the listeners, starting from today, even in your neighborhood, the moment you see someone erecting an illegal structure, understand that that's an illegal structure. You have a right as a resident to ask, sorry, this is a football field for children, and etc. And you have a right to then report them to the development control department. Department. And I'm happy to say that we have a lot of alleged residents now, since I announced this five months ago, who have written to our office and they've been re- writing to the local authority. And feel free to copy the Office of the Provincial Development Coordinator so we know about your challenge. Yes, I agree, development control should be done timelessly. Uh, in the issue of gullible citizens, we are continuously saying to citizens, housing cooperative. Even recently, we have not issued out any land. Let me repeat, the government has not issued out any land to a housing cooperative. So if a housing cooperative is saying to you, we are selling stands, please, please verify with the authorities and uh, we, we are arresting housing cooperative leaders. Why is it taking so long to arrest them? These are legacy issues, dear friends. Um, we are coming into a space in five months, over 15 years of decay within uh, our local authorities, within land mismanagement. And uh, we've had uh, so many people trying to be protected by politicians, but I'm happy that His Excellency has said no name dropping. And whether you are a Politburo member, Central Committee, Executive Committee, whatever political structure, you are not allowed to be a land baron and you are not allowed to be selling land. If so, the law will catch up. And that's where we are. But I would like to thank you, Tafara, for this great opportunity. And uh, our office remains open to, to writing emails. And you can, you can write us. Uh, we've actually created an easy email, paharare20 at gmail.com. And you can write to us and uh, tell us what's going on. I'm also available on Twitter, at Timubuti. Drop me a direct mailbox and my team will respond. Or at Province Harare and uh, or, or, or the, the official handle for the province. Thank you very much, Tafari, and thank you, listeners, for availing us your time.
<clears throat> All right, thank you so much as well, Mr. Tavazu Mguti, uh, the Provincial uh, Development Coordinator right here in Harare for joining me right here on the Morning Grill. And of course, we'll continue to link up with you as this is an ongoing process and more work needs to be done as we want to make our councils better and uh, in terms of safe delivery and uh, taking care of our people in all aspects. Thank you very much for joining me right here on the Morning Grill. And surely, we'll continue to link up in this regard. Thank you, Tavazu. Uh, all right. Zimbabwe, this has been the morning grill uh, on a Wednesday. Do uh, stand by for the news coming away exactly uh, at 8. Do remember that this morning grill comes to you every weekday from quarter past 7 up until the hour 8 o'clock as we discuss and debate those pertinent subjects just to keep you and uh, the nation well informed. My name is Tafara Avi Matura. You are in touch with Classic 263 in Simukai.